0: This is Bob Morris with Desert Horticulture. Today I'd like to talk to you about dormant oil, why it's important, how and when to put it on, borer damage to ornamental trees and repairing limb damage to apricots, and damage from intense sunlight to trees and what to do about it. Join me now on these and many other topics in today's Desert Horticulture. Learn more about desert horticulture by signing up for my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, extreme horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on Eventbrite if you're in the Las Vegas area. That's Bob Morris on Eventbrite. I wanted to get into some of the questions that were sent to me over the last, uh, real early in in the year. This is at a time when the uh, when the leaves aren't even on the fruit trees yet or any of the ornamental trees and I'm getting these questions. So it's in January, late January here in the United States. But so let me uh, let me hit the first part here on maybe gardeners aren't busy in Minnesota or Iowa during the winter but for gardeners living in the Mojave Desert it's probably our busiest time of year. I'm asked about spraying dormant oil on trees, but most don't know anything about them. It's a shame because it's probably the most important method to control bugs that may become problems during the coming year. It's good insurance. And that's the problem that we're faced with dormant oils. These are the oils that are mixed with water, put in a sprayer, and then it's sprayed on the entire tree. There's a lot of history behind the use of these types of oils. This isn't like when I go to some foreign countries. They they assume that it's a mot- like motor oil. It's not. It's it's a it's a a very refined oil that's used for spraying uh, many different kinds of trees, not just fruit trees. But the whole concept behind it is to cover the entire tree, whether it has leaves on it or not, whether it's evergreen. Depends on which evergreen. You have to read the label very very important to read that label on the oil before you apply it because there on some on some evergreen trees needled evergreen trees it can present a little bit of a problem so read the label if it tells you not to apply it to those trees then don't but in the in most cases you can apply this oil to these trees and it's insurance like i said here it's it's good insurance it's insurance because you don't you're preventing. You're you're doing a preventive spray. <clears throat> you're spraying the tree for for insects that are overwintering, are hiding there during the winter time, waiting for a chance to, when the weather warms up and there's new growth, to come out and start attacking those trees, or you're possibly suffocating some of the eggs. That have been laid on the on the tree uh, on the tree, and that may become a problem later in the year. It doesn't uh, it doesn't control some bugs, some insect pests, but keep in mind this is a general spray too. It's like soap. When you spray soap, you kill everything that it comes in contact or it it comes in contact with. It doesn't have any residual. There's nothing left when you're done. But when you're spraying it, it kills. It's not discriminatory. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so this is the oil that you're spraying during the, we call it a dormant oil during the winter time, when either no leaves are on or the tree's not growing uh, very much. And it does control some of those overwintering. Aphids in particular are the biggest one that it, it focuses on. But there isn't much time remaining to get an application of dormant oil on landscape plants and fruit trees. This one application applied early in the season, is probably the single most important method to control bad bugs hiding in your your trees and shrubs and ready to spread their numbers in 2019. And it's very safe. It is. It has a pretty low toxicity. You should still protect yourself. You should still not spray on a windy day. You should wear something that covers your eyes. You don't want it because it could irritate your eyes. Uh, You should cover your eyes, your nose, your nose, your hands, uh, just anything in case the wind comes up and blows it back in your face. Not that it's going to cause you any long-term problems, but it is a good idea to just protect yourself. This spray, however, does nothing to control borers or that ugly leaf-footed plant bug which flies from yard to hard, yard to yard and appears in early summer. But it does help control what we call the soft-bodied insects like aphids, mites, scale insects, and others that live out the winter on trees and shrubs, patiently waiting for spring growth to appear. <clears throat> in our farm in the Philippines, that's a really good way to control scale insects. We'll see scale insects on some a lot of the citrus that are out there. Those are the scale insects that leave a little covering on the outside, hard to describe. You you can google it and look it up for yourself, but they They'll go ahead. They're soft-bodied insects when they move from move from place to place. Or they establish a new home or when they hatch from eggs on it. But those little insects, once they find a place that they like, they'll build a little home called a scale on top of them. And uh, that home protects them from sprays and whatnot. But <clears throat> it's one of the few insecticides. We call it an insecticide because it kills insect side insects. So it will control; it will kill those insects uh, by suffocating them, and it's very effective on scale insects. It's probably the most effective way of controlling scale from moving from plant to plant, or keep it from spreading onto new parts, protecting plant parts from an invasion by this, by their soft-bodied form when they move from from uh, when before they start building their home, the scale. Don't confuse these oils with things like neem oil or cinnamon oil or any of the many oils out there that are currently popular. Dormant oils are made from natural oil or paraffin. They haven't been around for decades and not very expensive to buy and apply if you do the job yourself. If you hire a landscape professional to apply it, they must understand how this oil works and how to apply it correctly. Application methods are explained on the label uh this is a problem a little bit with some of the uh landscape companies that do apply these types insecticides they're used to the they're used to putting out fires they're used to getting a call from someone and that has a current problem they spray a product it kills the insect and they go home this is entirely different concept this is a preventive spray in other words you you apply it to the plant in, in to keep it from infestations occurring that year. That's why it's lost in popularity. It doesn't put out fires. It's not really meant to do that. It's really meant as an insurance policy against a a big invasion by these pests during the coming year. It works best when applied on warm days without wind. Never apply dormant oil to the plants that are flowering. These sprays will harm honeybees visiting flowers and may damage the flowers as well. If there are flowers present and open, delay the spray until the flowers are gone. So when we're, we're making this oil application, this, the, the plant, the tree, whether it's an ornamental or a fruit tree, is covered head to toe, top to bottom, and what you're applying is a blanket that suffocates these bugs that are living on this tree and just waiting there. It also is a blanket that suffocates eggs of bad insects as well as good insects that might be there. You're not going to discriminate when you apply this this particular spray, but it's a really important spray to get on. So you'll pick a day in, usually you pick a day in the winter time that has warm temperatures and there's not much wind, you'll spray the spray it from top to bottom and you'll put this blanket over this entire tree all the little twigs and limbs the trunk all the way to the bottom and i always get them to spray a little bit more at the bottom because oftentimes they like to hang out down there some of those bad guys like to hang out there because it's out of the wind and out of the way of where uh pests where their predators might be like birds and whatnot other insects might might be living. So they're going to hang out, especially on weeds. So get rid of those weeds in there as well. So anyway, and never spray it when, when the tree is in flower. Always avoid it. So either spray it before it, before you see any bud swelling on the tree or color, or after the flowers have dropped. Never during. You want to protect any honeybees that are in the area. You never want to spray it at that time. Apply the oil to the entire tree or shrub top to bottom. Give an extra shot of dormant oil, like I was talking about, at the base of the plant where these types of insects often wait out the winter. It works by suffocation. These oils are not poisonous to pets or yourself, but they are deadly to all insects that are sprayed. I know it doesn't feel like spring, but it's right around the corner now is the time to get fertilizers applied to trees, shrubs, fruit trees and anything else that will start to grow in a week. You want fertilizers available to plants when they are ready to grow. For most plants, this is around the first week of February. By the way, this is posted on my blog. Uh I'm just reading it as uh before I af- actually after I posted it on there. And if you go into my blog Extreme Horticulture of the Desert starting with an X, and you'll do a search engine on that. And you do spray oils or dormant oils in there. Or just plain the word oil and put it in that bar up on top. Uh, it should bring it up without uh, without any problem at all. It, you press enter, search, and then it, it brings up uh, that one. And you can click on it and read about it. But I'm just reading it for you again here and trying to explain what I'm talking about. So anyway, there's that one. I wanted to mention, uh, also, this guy sent me an email about his apricot tree and uh, some damaged limbs, and without pictures, it's really hard to tell. Uh, Even with pictures, sometimes it's hard to tell without making a visit what exactly causes the problem, but he says here, with the leaves off, I got a good look at our apricot tree and found two limbs with bark severely damaged. It looks like the bark is completely gone down to the wood underneath. What, if anything, can be done to salvage these limbs? Well, you know, you you can't resurrect them, right? Whatever is dead is dead, but uh, you can do a few things that help the tree recover from this kind of damage. So whatever caused it, whether it's physical damage from by somebody with their pruning shears, whether it's physical damage by borers, that caused it, we don't know. But <clears throat> so what I what I my answer is the bark easily lifted from the tree or limbs no longer protect anything that's alive. So if you have bark on this on these limbs or on the trunk, remove it. Don't worry, you're not going to hurt the tree or plant by removing this loose bark. It just provides places for insects to hide away from predators. So get rid of it. Remove it. The the wood underneath that on the tree is already dead. You're not going to hurt anything by removing it. Plant parts below this bark is dead, whether killed by boars or intense sunlight. Dead is dead. Unlike how animals heal, the living wood surrounding this area must roll back on top of this dead area and cover it. So plants... Heal from damage differently than animals or humans heal. Uh, we'll form some scar tissue, for instance, if we have uh, <clears throat> a pretty bad, some bad damage to our skin, and they don't uh, because the tree grows in circumference. It grows and gets. It has two ways of growing. It can grow in length and it can grow in girth, and this growth in girth requires that the cambium layer, this layer just under. The bark of the tree uh, gets bigger and goes to more to the outside. It follows the bark as the tree gets larger. But everything to the inside of that cambium uh, pretty much is dead. It's dead wood. It's uh, not nothing that you can cause to bring it back to life. It's dead. It's dead. So if this <clears throat> if this damaged area that you're seeing, once you remove the bark. If you're looking at this and if you see the damage that's already done, whether it's from intense sunlight, sunscald we call it, or if it's from bores or it's from physical damage by someone hitting it or line trimmers or mowers that hit it, uh, uh, hopefully accidentally, we are going to remove this loose bark and encourage this area to to heal properly by giving it some irrigation and fertilizer, some water and fertilizers. What we want this tree to do is whatever's causing the problem. We don't want it back there. We don't want it causing more. And one way to discourage this kind of it is borers, for instance, is to remove that bark because those borers have a life cycle. They get in the tree. They cause that physical damage by feeding in that cambium layer that's supposed to roll over. Oftentimes it's the the side towards the sun and it's oftentimes areas that have been damaged already previously by intense sunlight. So they go in that area. They don't go into the dead area, but they go into the living area, and they cause more damage. They feed on this living area, because that's where they're going to get sugars and water. They're not going to feed in the in the already dead area, but they're going to feed in this area, and by feeding in this area, they cause further damage to occur on this tree. So we want this Now, the insect, once it's finished its life cycle, it's gotten a certain size, it's going to turn into an adult, and it's going to come out outside of the tree, and it's going to fly away, it's going to look for a mate somewhere, mate, and then lay eggs, and the eggs will hatch. The larva, the really tiny larva, will go inside the tree again and cause damage, and this cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. And whether it's your tree or, or your neighbor's tree, it's going to repeat itself. So the way that you protect your tree from having this kind of damage is by removing that bark first and removing those hiding places and then getting down and finding out the extent of the damage. If it's halfway around the limb, then you might want to consider removing the limb if it looks like it's not going to survive, if it looks like it's really struggling, go ahead and remove it. If the damaged area is half or less, remove the loose bark and encourage it to heal properly through irrigation and fertilizers. So you're going to add water, you're going to fertilize it, so as long as that tree is actively growing, when you're increasing the, the amount of water, the, the, the watering to the tree, you're not going from every three days, for instance, to every day. You're not increasing the um, the frequency of it. You're increasing, you're increasing, you're making sure that the tree has adequate water so it can heal itself and that there's fertilizer present. So if you haven't been fertilizing, you might want to add some fertilizer to that soil to help it to heal over those areas after you've cleaned off the bark and everything, and then just make sure it's got an adequate amount of water so it will grow. More water doesn't mean more growth in most cases. You just want to make sure it's adequate. So removing loose bark, covering this dead wood helps the plant heal faster and new growth to roll over it. Healing is a waiting game. Healing is faster if the tree is getting adequate amounts of fertilizer and water you won't get it to heal faster by get, giving it excessive amounts of water and fertilizer. It's like a pesticide. You know, If you're going to kill an, an insect or, or a weed or something, follow the label and give it what is necessary in order to, to get that problem to go away. If you double the amount that's used, you aren't going to improve your chances over what the label is telling you it's just you're just wasting your money <clears throat> so follow that label on insecticides give it what it needs and let it give it a chance to heal in this big case you're giving it the, the right amount of water you're making sure that it, the tree has access to that water through its roots and you're making sure that it has fertilizer available to it to encourage to encourage the growth then take a sharp sanitized knife now you want to make sure this knife. Don't take a little pen knife. Take something that's uh, not huge, but at least a good size. Make sure it's sharp. Make sure that it's sanitized. When I sanitize these things, I'll either use alcohol or I hold it. I make sure it's washed, soap and water, clean it off, and then I'll sanitize it. And I do that by putting alcohol on it after it's been sharpened or I'll put it over a flame. Just like if you were ever in college or you ever took a lab class in school, if you remember those inoculating loops, you'd have that Bunsen burner or the alcohol lamp, and you'd hold that scalpel, or you'd hold an inoculating loop over the flame, get it hot so that you killed all of the bugs, all of the disease organisms that are on that loop You're doing the same thing with the knife you're just holding it over the flame or giving it alcohol enough to kill those potential disease problems you don't want to take something that's already on the knife and reinfect the tree again so you're sanitizing it remove all the loose bark and slightly cut into the living wood surrounding this dead area so what i like to do is remove it and on the edges of where the damage is located I like to cut at an angle, holding that knife blade at an angle, like you're whittling, and just remove that outer edge to fresh wood. Yes, you are damaging the tree, but it will heal faster if it's got a nice smooth area on that damaged, if that damaged area on the edges of that wound is smooth and it's a fresh wound, it will cover faster that area faster than if it's not. So just clean it off, get rid of all of that bark, and cut, like you're whittling, cut down to that fresh wood with that knife and so that it will roll over and heal faster. The smoother that area is, the less, the faster it's going to roll over, and also it's going to be easier for predators to find those bugs when they come out. Sanitizing the knife, just like the surgeon's scalpel, Will keep serious disease problems from entering the tree that might slow down the healing or worsen the tree. The tree will heal quickly if it is healthy, but this knife must be sanitized with alcohol or a good household sanitizer before cutting away at it. It is possible that apricot, unlike many peach or nectarine, will sucker or show new growth below this damaged area. If the limb must be removed, select a sucker growing in a good direction to fill the vacancy left by removing the limb. If the limb remains, remove the suckers and let the wound heal. Okay, so I mentioned here peach and nectarine, and peach and nectarine, unlike apricot and plum, doesn't sucker very well. In other words, when you make a cut on a larger limb, you oftentimes do not see any new growth. On peach and nectarine, when you cut off a limb or you leave a stub or something, uh, you may get lucky and get a sucker. You might on some types of peach and nectarine, but oftentimes you don't. It oftentimes dies back all the way back to the next larger limb. So anyway, on apricot, when you cut it back, you may get some suckering from that. And when you pick a sucker, a sucker, uh, a new growth that's coming from it, make sure that the what's called the angle of attachment that that limb that that sucker is attached strongly to that tree and is going in the direction that you want it to go. It's possible to slightly move it, uh, to pull it around with a string or whatever into the position that you want and tie it off for a season and then untie it. You can do that. You can pull it up, down, or to the sideways, sideways, any direction you want. But, of course, you can't get it to grow in a completely weird direction from the way it's already growing. But you can move it around if you want to. You can push it around with a limb spreader if you want. And one season in the direction that you want, and that's enough. All right. I think hopefully that covers that, that question. Let's see this next one. We found borers in a large sumac, as well as a Chinese pistache ornamental tree. My ash and oak trees have aphids. I want to spray dormant oil, but do not have enough information about it. Do I spray only trees without leaves, or can I spray evergreen trees like holly oak and African sumac? Well, most of these questions coming in right now sure look like uh, they are about the oils in January, in that just before new growth occurs. My answer, read the label to make sure your trees are included, but there should be no problem spraying trees that have leaves, like I was mentioning earlier. Uh, There is, I think on the label it does say something about not spraying spruce trees, for instance, or uh, because you can damage uh, some of the waxy bloom that's on the outside. So just read the label. That's always your safest bet. Uh, when you're not sure about something, the label will will guide you about what to do and how to apply it, and safety precautions, all of those kinds of things that are important to you uh, when you make that application. So remember it just requires applying more liquid spray when you have leaves because there's more surface area to cover it's important to spray the undersides of the leaves because that's where most of the bugs will be hiding. So the difference is you're spraying a tree without leaves. You're just spraying it from head to toe, up and down, covering all the branches, including that area near the bottom of the tree. If you have a tree that has leaves on it, you've got to spray the upper sides of the leaves, but even more importantly, the bottom sides of the leaves. So when I spray anything, and it's for insects, for instance, I always make a spray to the upper sides of the leaves and then the bottom sides. In orchards, they'll use what's called an air blast sprayer. And the particles, the the spray is broken into very, very tiny droplets. And it kind of floats over the entire tree and covers it top to bottom, the the upper surface as well as the bottom surface of the leaves. So this kind of a spray from an air blast sprayer is very effective because you, you can either drive it or pull it behind a tractor and you go slowly through the orchard and it releases this cloud that covers the entire tree, both upper and bottom sides of the leaf. What you're trying to do, you're you're trying to really mimic that. You're going to use a lot more spray when you do it with a backpack sprayer or a compressed air sprayer, but you've got to cover both the top sides and the bottom sides of the leaves to get good coverage. If you just cover the tops of the leaves, especially with oils, you're not going to put that blanket down evenly over both surfaces, and that's what's important. So, uh, short answer on that one. My tree has a trunk that has split badly on the side facing the sun. Uh Uh-oh, that tells me right away that it's most likely sun-scald, that it killed that side of the tree, uh, and uh, so the, the cambium layer underneath that bark is dead. It's usually fairly young trees with uh, thin, a thin outer bark on the outside that hasn't gotten roughed up yet. And uh, this split is very deep and six feet long. Can I wrap the trunk in burlap to keep the intense sunlight off of it while it's healing? Question huh? mark? You know, my response to that is the damage is done, and you're not going to fix anything by covering it with anything. In fact, if you cover it with burlap or any kind of a, a cover, you may actually cause more damage if that captures water or moisture and holds it against the trunk. Because now you've got a tree that has damaged on that side, probably towards the sun, due to sunburn, sunscald. It has now dried and cracked or checked that wood has split open, perhaps even as deep as the center of the tree. We don't know, unless we went out and looked. It's dead. It's done and gone. It's over. You're not going to see it. The best thing to do is perhaps let it try to heal over. And if you're going to put something on the outside of that trunk, don't wrap it. Don't wrap it with something that's going to hold water. Wrap it with something don't even wrap it because if you have something that's on the outside and you wrap it and it heats up in the summertime, it gets really hot. And the surface temperature, that could be 165, 170 degrees uh, of anything that's on the outside of that tree. And then that heat gets transferred uh, to the the tree. Uh, So be really careful. If you're going to use something then use something that goes on the outside, that there's an airspace between the trunk and whatever. So it's, it's putting some shade on the trunk. And it's not, it's not in contact with the trunk and transferring that heat from the sun back to the trunk itself. So so anyway, what I'm telling him is the split is in the deadwood all the way through to the center of the tree, my response. All of this wood is dead, probably because of sunburn. Sunburn is a big problem with trees that have thin bark, protecting it like ash, locust, ornamental plum, and even some of the desert trees. The tree will heal this area over time if the tree is healthy and growing vigorously. Remember I told you earlier, water and fertilizer. The question is more about your patience and if you can wait or not. This healing might take uh Might take up to four or five years, depending on how the the extent, depending on the extent of the damage. Hopefully, it'll roll over. If the damaged area is small, it'll roll over in a year, maybe two years at the most. But there are cases, and I don't want to make empty promises to people. If it's a really big area, it could take a while. It could take a couple of years, but you'll see it. You'll see it start to roll over. You'll see that that cambium begin to roll back over that damaged area and swallow it up, engulf it, so that the damage becomes part of the dead wood inside the tree uh, rather than on the surface of the tree. The damage is most likely finished, and it will probably not spread any further than this. The outside edges, just beyond the damage, will roll over and enclose this damaged area over time. How much time? It depends on how vigorous the species is and the tree's health. Water this tree regularly but not daily. Always skip at least one or more days when watering. Soak the soil around the tree under the canopy deeply and then wait until it needs it again. Fertilize this tree now in early spring with a fertilizer containing nitrogen. This means the first big number, the, the big number, the first number on the fertilizer bag should be high oh, I made a lot of typos in this one. Many lawn type fertilizers, hopefully the RJ when they got this will correct it. I don't know. I may not have corrected it when I put it on the blog. <laughs> we'll see. You could fertilize the tree a second time in about April. So what I'm telling people here is make sure it gets a an application of fertilizer at the beginning of the growing season when it's first starting to grow. And then you may if you you may elect to fertilize it a second time if you're going to do that then give the half a half amount of the fertilizer on the first shot before new growth and then a second half of the fertilizer later make that decision early in the season you don't want to fertilize it with the proper amount on both kit that's just wasting fertilizer on both times so you know, for plant trees plants grow better if to get small amounts of fertilizer each time, so if you're fertilizing let's say once a month very very lightly you'll use you'll you will probably use less fertilizer less fertilizer will be wasted you will have less fertilizer wasted because the trees will have a chance to to pick it up by the roots themselves, but a lot of people don't do that they'll go out and they're not to be bothered, so they make their one application at the beginning of the year, and that's it. But always, plants always are better off if you give them small amounts of fertilizer. They'll grow much faster. The only exception to that are those that are tender to our winter temperatures, like many of our citrus, for instance, that can't handle uh, temperatures, freezing temperatures very well, Then don't give them any high nitrogen, the first number on that bag, don't give them any of that high nitrogen fertilizer uh, during the year. During, excuse me, after about the middle of summer, cut that off. No more nitrogen fertilizer because you don't want it to stimulate any new growth that might be might that might get hurt during winter low temperatures of those tender plants. That probably was clear as mud. But when the new tree growth rolls over this damaged area, this new growth will be more tolerant of intense sunlight. And that's true. i got to stop there for a second because oftentimes trees that are imported into the desert, and we don't grow them here, uh, they need a chance to acclimate. And that's a good concept to to acquire. And that's plant acclimation to its where it's growing. If it's coming out of coastal California, for instance, these trees are used to that climate and intent on the sunlight of coastal California, the temperatures. And then they're shipped to the hot desert, the hot Mojave Desert, and their leaves are different. They don't have in desert tree leaves yet. The new trees, the new leaves that come out will be. More adapted to the desert, the bark will be more adapted to the coastal California climate. The, it won't be in, adapted to the intense interior, inland, uh, inland, environment yet, but over time it will. If we plunge these trees that have been grown in a climate that's not, uh, not in the desert, then then they're going to have to adjust. And if we plunge them right during the heat of the year, that adjustment, uh, it may get damaged before it adjusts. We got to be aware of that. If it's possible to cast some shade on that damaged area while it's healing, the tree will appreciate it. But unless there is some unusual circumstances, such as a location with lots of reflected sunlight from windows or similar, it shouldn't be necessary. I also worry a little bit about borers infesting the area near this damage in a few months or a couple of years. These bugs may create more problems for the tree. Consider applying borer control pesticides as a soil drench around the tree after it flowers. This might help while it is recovering and keep it free of borers. You know that I think on the next podcast that I have, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of these insecticides, and they're good and they're bad, so you just have to be careful. I always have the philosophy, don't apply them unless they really need it. If they really need it, and it's going to save the plant's life, then consider it. But if you don't need to apply it, don't put it down as a precaution. It's just never a good idea when we're talking about insect. There's just too many other things that it can affect, in the environment if we're going to put it down. So be sensible uh, when it's being used. Uh, anyway, I, I think that's about all I have to cover on this one, I on this particular uh, broadcast. And I hear that music playing, so it's time to say goodbye. Thank you for joining me. I hope this was informative, and I hope you got something out of it. Drop me a line. Let me know. Thanks a lot.